right, well, welcome to Faith Church. Glad you are with us. Hey, if you're kind of new around here or maybe we haven't met personally yet, my name's Matthew, one of the pastors on the staff. And it's a joy to open scriptures and worship with you this weekend. Hey, if you have your Bibles, join me at Ephesians chapter 6. During this collection of messages, we've been um, encouraging you to bring your own Bible so that you can look at the scriptures themselves. Um, If not, just write down the references so later this week you can go back and read them and find them in your own Bible, study them, sit with them, think about them, meditate on them, and allow those things to get into your life. We've been in this collection talking about becoming the radiant people of God. And we really do believe that one of the ways we become radiant people of God is to allow the Word of God to get into our lives and hearts. And that's why we're doing summer school next, uh, starting in June, middle of June, will be five Wednesdays in a row. We do have one course that's happening on a Thursday, and it'll happen five Thursdays in a row. And I want to challenge you and double dog dare you. To come and learn and grow. We love these kind of mid-sized gatherings. We have large gatherings every Sunday. In the fall and the spring, we have connect groups. And those are smaller, more relational gatherings. But we love doing these mid-sized events where we can continue to help um, a larger growing church continue to feel more relational, connected, and engaged. And so we hope that you'll participate with us. Ephesians chapter 6. Are you there? Ephesians 6, we're going to start in verse 10 and we're going to read through verse 13 today. It says this, a final word, be strong. Somebody say strong. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. We talked about those all last week. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on... Every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist. Somebody say resist. Resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. When he's saying after the battle, he's talking about at the end of time when Jesus returns. He wants you still standing in your faith, in your loyal allegiance to Jesus alone, so that you can experience and enjoy eternal life with him ongoingly in the new heavens and the new earth. When that time comes, when the end is over, when the battle is finally done, you stand victorious with Jesus. That's what we want to be as radiant people of God. Today, I want to talk to you on the subject of radiant spirituality, radiant spirituality. Uh, Now, there are many things in the Bible and the truth of God's word that when we read, we have absolute certainty and clarity around. 
We know for a fact what it's saying. We, we can take it to the bank knowing that it is true, and we can anchor into those truths. We know them. They are clear for us to see and know. There are some things in Scripture and some things about the ways of God and the kingdom of God that we don't know everything about. We, as Paul would write in Corinthians, we kind of see through a glass, but that glass is often foggy and dim. We don't really see or understand all of it. There are many things as it relates to our spiritual lives where we just have to accept they are a little bit mysterious to us. We understand a little bit, and they hint at some things that we kind of understand and know, but we may not fully know until we experience the new heavens and the new earth and we get to be with the Lord. There are some things on this side of Jesus' return that we may not fully know. And when we approach the things that we don't fully know, hear me, friends, we need to be very humble and open-handed about those things. As I teach and I preach, I want to be as clear as I can around the things that I absolutely believe God has declared and spoken as truth that are absolutely clear that you can have great conviction around. There are other things that remain a little bit more mysterious. I want to give room for various interpretation and understanding, but it doesn't mean that we don't need to edge into the exploration of those truths to find and learn and grow in him. I'm going to do my best to kind of articulate uh, those things. Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 says it this way. My thoughts are not your thoughts, the Lord declares. And my ways are far beyond anything you could even imagine. And some of you got some pretty wild imaginations. For just as the heavens, the, 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 the expanse beyond, are higher than the earth... So are my ways, God says, higher than the practical ways in which you walk on this earth. My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher, more true, more elevated than your thoughts. In other words, God knows some stuff that you don't know. He operates in ways that you can't really comprehend and we do our best to articulate what those are so that we in our human finite brains, as, as amazing of a reality as our brains are, we do our best to understand and grasp, grasp those truths and those understandings. We want to do our best to do that. We want to do our best to see what the, what the Lord wants us to do as it relates to radiant spirituality. Now, Today, I'm going to enter into teacher mode a little bit and stay as self-controlled as I can out of preacher mode for a little bit. And I want to walk you through some scriptures. We're going to see a lot of scriptures today to help us learn and understand what the Bible does have to say, what it is pointing us to, as we understand what in the world Paul is trying to say in Ephesians chapter 6. Powers, principalities, dark worlds, unseen realms, spiritual wickedness in high places, battles that are not against humans, because there are some humans I would like to battle. But that ain't our battle. That's not how we fight our battles so what in God's green earth is Paul trying to tell us 
Well, let's unpack this. And I've got five main thoughts that I want to give to you today. And I'm going to do my best to move at a good pace. I hope you're ready to take some notes. Amen along the way. And I promise I will not be bothered by your bewilderment on your face as you realize, huh? As we edge into some mysterious things in our minds and we explore the things that are of God that are not our ways, but they are his ways instead. The first thing I want you to see and understand today is that we live in a supernatural world. We live in a supernatural world. It is a two-part world. It is practical and physical that we can experience these five senses, but it is also spiritual and unseen. They are overlapping in nature, but they are interlinked at the same time. You are not only a body, you are a soul and a spirit. You are a spirit who has a soul. That is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And it is housed in this fleshly thing called a body. Some of you are like, I'd like a redo. Can I, can I put in a, an order for a new body when I get to heaven, please? Oh, Jesus. I get it. I want you to see, though, it's an overlapping. We are more than just our bodies. That means that what you do in your body is not just an animalistic, innate craving of your own soul. You were designed and crafted in a way to replicate and represent the image of God. And in fact, the word image of God simply means uh, a, a container for the life of God itself. It is who you are and what you were created to be. And because the physical and the spiritual are linked, what you do in your body and in the physical impacts your soul and your spiritual well-being as well. That's why going on a walk is more than just exercise for your physical body. It is good for your mental health. That is why sometimes what you need to do is spend time in prayer and it renews your soul. And other times you need to take a nap and eat a Snickers bar because you're getting hangry. <laughs> it is overlapping and interlocking and it matters. That's why Paul would write in Corinthians and say there are some sins you commit that are stay outside of your body. They only impact your body. But there are some sins that you commit that absolutely impact your spirit in a major, major way. Because there is an unseen element to our supernatural world. We are spiritual beings with a body and the world is longing to be spiritual but not religious. Our world right now is very interested and intrigued about being spiritual. They have very little desire to be religious, but they are willing to explore and want to know about the spiritual. And oh, how the battle is raging for our understanding of what is spiritual. And I think that the world is looking for the sons and daughters of God to become radiant in their spirituality to help people discover and point how they were made to live in a spiritual world. To be awakened to the life of God. To be awakened to the Holy Spirit. And what does it look like to have communion with the Lord? We must be aware that we are spiritual humans. And there are many quote-unquote spirits at work in our world. 
many spirits at work in our world. In the book, Simply Christian, author N.T. Wright summarizes our supernatural world saying this. He says, heaven and earth are not coterminous. In this option that we are exploring here, nor are they separated by a great gulf. Instead, they overlap and interlock in a number of different ways. This can, be, this can seem initially confusing after the clean either-or of pantheism and deism, but it is the kind of confusion we should welcome or the kind of mysteriousness we should welcome. Let me say it that way. It embraces the complexity which we ought to expect in human life is in fact as intricate and many-sided. It is easy to think that you have mastered Shakespeare's plays if all you have on the shelf is the comedies. When someone brings you all of the other plays as well, the tragedies and the history plays, plus a volume or two of the man's great poetry for good measure, you will complain that things are now getting confused and highly complex. But you are actually closer to understanding Shakespeare, not further away. Something like that happens when we turn to the turn from the ancient and modern philosophies of the non-Jewish world to the world of the Old Testament, the, the world of the ancient Israelites, the world that still forms the foundation for those two estranged sisters of Judaism and Christianity and to a lesser extent Islam. The Old Testament insists that God belongs in heaven and we on earth. Yet, it shows over and over again that the two spheres do indeed overlap so that God makes his presence known, seen, and heard within the spheres of earth. We live in a supernatural World where the physical, the natural, and the unseen spiritual interlock and overlap and work together. Now, number two, we can interact or catch a glimpse of the unseen as well. We can catch a glimpse of this. There is good elements and not so good elements to this truth. What you do in one impacts the other. This is why we pray and we sing things like, your kingdom come, your will be done. Don't miss this. On earth, just like it is in heaven. Heaven in the unseen. Heaven in the space in which God dwells. Heaven in the, the spiritual place where God exists. And in, all throughout scripture, especially in the Old Testament, we are forbidden to do certain things because they aren't for us in this world. Rather, there are real implications of them in this world and in the unseen world. In other words, God wouldn't tell you not to do something if A, that thing didn't have negative consequences to it, and B, was real. Let's look at two of those cases. In Deuteronomy 5, 7 through 9, it says this, You must not have any other God but me. Full stop. If God is telling you not to have another God, that means there are other options for a God. There are other spiritual deities that you could give your time, your attention, your allegiance to 
and welcome to impact your own life. He wouldn't tell you not to worship another God if there weren't other gods. You must not, he goes on to say in verse 8, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for any other gods. I I don't know about you, but I used to think that like, why in the world would they worship a water bottle? I mean, that just seems so silly to me. Why in the world would they build a wooden statue out of something that looks like a bull face with big horns? Why in the world would they make such an image, an idol, a wooden thing? What's the big deal? This is kind of what launched me onto this study about uh, a year and a half ago now. It was actually when I was studying um, in uh, Genesis, and I came across this idea that uh, you were made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. And the word image of God is the same Hebrew word uh, that is used for idol here. Same Hebrew word. In other words, there is an element of the understanding of the Hebrew mind that says this. You can't worship that image, that idol, that carved or made man thing because it is not just an idol. It is a, don't miss this, a house that contains a spirit. What makes Pentecost Sunday so amazing is that you and I made in the image of God were made to house and contain the spirit of God himself so that he could abide and live in you and we could be his imagers in the world around us. Why is God telling you and forbidding his people not to interact or, in, or catch a glimpse or give their worship and their affections to other gods? He's telling them because there are ramifications to their life, to their soul, and to this world that they live in if they do. Let's move on to the next one. A little bit later on in Deuteronomy 18, here's another forbidden. Why? Because it's real and it has impact in our world. When you enter the land, your Lord God is giving you, he says in verse 9, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations that are living there. That means those nations have customs and ways of worship that do not honor God and in fact are worshiping other gods. Are we tracking? Okay, good. Just, you may not understand it, but if at least that made a little bit of sense to you, a little head nod helps me. Let's keep moving. He says this in verse 10, for example, never sacrifice your son or your daughter as a burnt offering. And do not let your people practice fortune telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that your Lord God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. 
In the Old Testament, I don't know if you're like me, you read some of the Old Testament things, and especially the conquest of Israel, where they are like going to war and battle and killing all of these other nations. You're like, oh my gosh, that is so not good. How could God do that? Why was he doing it? One of the reasons was it actually was a territory in which evil spirits were not only dwelling in men, but dwelling in places, and they had set themselves up against God himself. It was about spiritual warfare just as much as it was about land and conquest. There is a spiritual component to what was happening in that time. And so here is God forbidding his people to live in this way, to interact or to catch a glimpse of the unseen. Why was he forbidding them to use sorcery? Why was he saying, don't use your crystals to try to consult other ideas? Why is he saying, don't use tarot cards and horoscopes and psychics and Ouija boards? Because those are doorways and access to the unseen realm that is dark and evil and depraved and your inner interacting with spirits that is not the Holy Spirit of God. Because you don't live just in a physical world, you live in a supernatural world. You don't just walk around and you need to understand that we can interact with the unseen. That's why your prayer is about developing a communion and a connection and a relationship and access to God, who is spirit. He is. And so God wants you to know, we need to understand that we can interact in the good and we can interact in the dark and the evil parts of the unseen that create major ramifications for your soul and for your spirit and for your life. There are other forces at play. Friends, the doorway through which we are supposed to interact with the unseen is through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the door. I am the gatekeeper for the sheepfold. You're not getting in and out. I'm going to keep the the thief from coming into my sheepfold. They don't get access through me to you. Oh, but you can have access to God through me. Jesus is our door that we interact with the world of God and the realm of God and the spirit of God being led by the spirit of God. And Galatians says, for many who are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. Maybe that's in 1 John that it says that. It's what happens when I go off my memory and I'm just trying to quote scriptures that it's somewhere in the deep crevices of my heart. Get a little intertwined sometimes. Here's number three. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time here to help you understand this because this is a bit, um, we're going to look at several scriptures here. Number three. If we're going to have radiant spirituality, here's something that we need to understand. There are more spiritual beings, and the Hebrew word for that is Elohim. There are more spiritual beings, or Elohim, than just Yahweh. Throughout the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, where you see the word God, it is the Hebrew word Elohim. Sometimes it is referencing Yahweh as a proper name. Other times, it's just simply referencing other spiritual beings, other beings 
in that realm. Elohim. There are more Elohims than just God. Let's look at a few verses where these words are used in reference to God and in reference to other spiritual beings in the same text. Psalm chapter 8. If you uh, have your Bible, flip to Psalm 8. Psalm 8 is kind of right in the middle of your Bible. At the very beginning of Psalm, Psalm 8. And let's look at verse 3 through 6. Psalm 8, verse 3 through 6. He says this. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers. In other words, when I look up and I see the vastness of the great beyond. The moon, the stars that you set into place. What are mere mortals or humans that you should think about us? Human beings that you should even care for us. I mean, think about it. Amazing as the world is that we live in, God decided to care and love the creation known as humans the way that he does. Oh, what an amazing God we serve. He says this, verse 5, yet you made them a little lower than God. Now, in the New Living, it has a capital G, but in most other translations, it is the Hebrew word still Elohim, And in most other translations, it translates it angels. Because angels are a spiritual being. They are an Elohim. Okay? So you made them a little lower than Elohim and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. The flocks and herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean's currents. The psalmist is saying, you created humans and you made them a little lower. In other words, in placement, they are in the seen realm and not the unseen realm because the earth is lower than the heavens. Are we tracking? That is mind-blowing. And you made them there different. Here it says than God. Well, of course he made humans lower than God. Everything is lower than God. But it's actually the word Elohim. And most translations just use angels. So he's trying to let us know that God or, or God is the word Elohim. And sometimes Elohim is used in term to reference Yahweh, the God of all gods, the God of the Bible, the God that we know, Father, Son, and Spirit. Uh, but most often it's referring to other spiritual beings or other gods. You shall have no other gods, Elohim, before me. It's that word Elohim. And often you do have to go to the original language, the Hebrew language, to see if it's referencing something specific or something more general. Now go with me. You're already in Psalms. Flip to Psalm 82, towards towards the the more middle part of Psalm. Psalm 82. Let's look at this one. This is kind of a main text for those who talk about these kinds of things. Psalm 82. Page 489 in your Fresh Start Bible says this, God, that's Elohim, Yahweh, presides over heaven's court. He pronounces judgment on the heavenly beings. He pronounces judgment on the Elohim. Elohim presides over the heaven's courts and he pronounces judgment on the Elohim. 
How long will you hand down unjust decisions by favoring the wicked? Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. But these oppressors, these Elohim, wicked Elohim, know nothing. They are so ignorant. They wander about in darkness. They wander about in darkness while the whole world is shaken to this core. I say you are Elohim. You are gods. And you are all children of the Most High. These other Elohim often are referred to as sons of God throughout the text. In other words, these spiritual beings were created by a spiritual being. His name is Yahweh. And there are these unseen elements. And he says, you are gods, you are children of the Most High, but you will die like mere mortals and fall like every other ruler. What's the psalmist saying? He's letting us have a prophetic picture of what Revelation would say, that the devil and all evil spiritual beings in the end of time when Jesus returns are thrown into the lake of fire forever and burn, burn, burn. There will be a judgment coming for the evil Elohim, the evil created spiritual beings, those who've fallen away from their original intended design and are creating havoc and evil and oppression and operate in dark spaces. There is an unseen and a seen world and these spiritual beings other than Elohim exist in our world. Psalm 86 verse 8 and 9 says, No pagan Elohim is like you, O Lord. No one can do what you do. All the nations you have made come and bow down before you, Lord. They will praise your holy name. These are false gods and fallen beings And there is, according to what we see in Scripture, a hierarchy and a distinction in the kingdom of darkness. Satan has been identified as Lucifer or Morning Star, and he is a lead commander of the powers of darkness. In Deuteronomy 32, you'll see that there's a disinheritance of the nations where originally these beings were created uh, to create and to rule and reign in other spaces of our world and to help oversee and see to God's good kingdom being established and led in the world. But there was a rebellion. They wanted it for their own glory and for their own name, and they became disinherited in other nations and other places. Deuteronomy 32 is a fascinating part of all of these things. And here we have Paul. In Ephesians chapter 6, telling you and telling me there are rulers, there are principalities, there are other powers, there are other dominions and lords and thrones and world rulers in the unseen places that have been disinherited from the sons of God and are operating, creating evil and havoc, seeking to steal, kill and destroy, spreading lies that play to disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful society to, to ruin God's good world. And as we're trying to wrap our minds about what does this mean and what does it look like and what is, what is this, I want to read you that there are several ways we could look at this. We could look at this in, in, in a large number of ways, but I think a, a great summary for us today is in a book called Deliverance uh, by a, a pastor and a writer named John Thompson. 
and he's walking through the historical understanding and a, and a myriad different views of how do we interpret this idea that Paul had a worldview of principalities, powers, rulers, darkness. And he's saying that we're in a battle against darkness in our present world, spiritual wickedness in unseen places. And we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but these spiritual beings are bringing about destruction in our world. What do we do? This is what he says. In practice, we have to decide how we're going to apply Paul's description in this passage, choosing whether to explain these terms as impersonal evil movements and influences in the world or conclude that Paul was naming personal beings who work in various ways to carry out the schemes of the devil in the world. Taken in whole, Paul consistently demonstrates his view that evil is personal, with real beings in the kingdom of darkness ranked to carry out mayhem in the world. These beings exist in the heavenlies, quote-unquote, can function in and through the movements, and can directly attack an individual. To be clear, Paul was not using his demo- this demonic language to personalize bad stuff happening in the world. His view was organic rather than materialistic. He pictured himself and other believers locked in a struggle with personal beings, not people, in a clash between kingdoms. Paul's practice gives us language and terminology to understand some of what Jesus had in mind when he spoke of, quote-unquote, kinds of the demonic. The battle space includes events happening in the spiritual realm up there, as well as clashes occurring in the worldly realm down here. Though these demonic beings are neither omnipresent nor unlimited, they may have significant global influence, familial capacities, and personal influence. Entire movements or chains of events may be traced back to specific demons. Political spheres may be under the control of demons. From a biblical point of view, it doesn't take much direct exposure to the demonic before we discover a divergence in what demons can do. Paul's overall language and tone reminds us that the mistake we make as Christians is confusing who the real enemy is, and insisting on making enemies out of other humans. Human beings are not our true enemies. What inspires, drives, and twists them is. We are facing off against structured ranks of opposition arrayed against us, yet over which Jesus is still ultimately in control And as John puts it so well in 1 John 4, 4, you, dear children of God, are from God and have overcome them. What is them? All the principalities, powers, rulers, darkness in the unseen. You have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That leads us to number four. There is no other like Yahweh. There is no other like our God. There is no other like the Holy Spirit of God. There is no other like the Son of God. There is no other like the Father of God. He is Yahweh. He is Elohim of all Elohims. He is Lord of all lords. He is King of all kings and kingdoms, seen and unseen. 
so we don't walk in fear. Rather, we take Paul's admonishment to stand strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and put on the armor of God, which is the identity and gifts of Christ, to live in a seen world that is, being tr- that is trying to be influenced and controlled by things in the unseen world. And we recognize that everything created by God is under or has less power than God who created it. Psalms 89 verse 5 and 7 says, Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly or the council of the holy ones or Elohim. For in the skies, for who in the skies, who in the heavens, who in the unseen can be compared to the Lord. Who among the heavenly beings, the Elohim, is like the Lord, Yahweh, a God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the Elohim, of the unseen, of the holy ones, and awesome above all who are around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are. O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging sea, When it waves rise, you still them. This is good news for you and I who are being given an armor of the Lord to stand in uh, our life, to stand our ground against all evil that is invading the world around us. This is good news for you and me. That every other being must submit to the name Jesus. So I'm not trying to put you in fear because there is no fear in the love of God. And greater is he who lives in you than he that is in the world. That's why there are spiritual solutions to physical problems. There are also physical problems that have physical uh, uh, cures. So I believe healing, being made whole, is physical, it is soul level, and it is spiritual. All three. All three are required in our lives to be made right. The darkness and the depression and the, and the anxiety and the worries that is a soul issue has physical elements to bring health, and it has spiritual elements to help you find health. The addiction that you can't break out of is what the Bible would refer to as a stronghold. And 2 Corinthians 10 tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in Yahweh to pull down said strongholds. Habits and thoughts and processes and and things from your family of origin that keep you in cycles of bondage and cycles of poverty and cycles of depression and cycles of, of worry and fear and anxiety, cycles of divorce. These things are dark forces that have edged their way and found some influence. And you who have the spirit of God living in you can stand up and say the blood of Jesus says no more. Let me get back to teaching. (laughs) Here's what I want you to know. Number five, the evil times are now, but we can stand and resist them. Paul says, listen, listen. If God would tell you what you cannot do, what you should not do, it means that it's possible to do it and there's, there's, there's ramifications. But if God tells you you can do something, you equally can do something. 
and see the ramifications and the consequences of those things. So when Paul says, stand strong and resist the enemy, that means the spirit of God living in you can help you stand strong and resist the enemy. So that when the day of the Lord comes, when all of time exits and is finished, you can hold onto your truth that is higher. And when he says, stand your ground, that is a political advantage position that you are standing uphill on the most high where God abides and all of the evil unseen that is trying to come uphill you can just stand your ground and not let them take the hill because you are seated in heavenly places with Christ that's where you and I are as followers of Jesus that the spirit of God lives in us and we can stand our ground uphill and say no more we, we can take the understanding that, wait a second, wait a second, I've been being influenced by dark, evil, spiritual forces because I've got my crystals and I've got my Ouija board and I've been doing the tarot cards and I've been trying to talk to dead ancestors and relatives and I, I've been doing those things. I've been worshiping other things that, that, that aren't of God and I've been giving my allegiance to other places and powers and beings. I, I've been giving my time and my attention and my affection to things that are not Yahweh. And are not born of God. I can repent and say, Jesus, I surrender. And the spirit of God says, yes. And he comes and he lives and he abides. And greater is he who's now in us than he that's in the world. Let me summarize all of it by saying this. We cannot live a radiant spirituality through our own opinions and rationale. You can't do it. You can read all the self-help books you want. Do all the physical things that are helpful and important to bringing about health in your life. You can do those things. But you cannot live a radiant spirituality through your own opinions and rationale. You need a truth that is higher. Why? Remember, remember, all of these evil forces are taking their cue from their commander who is the father of all lies, Jesus said. Remember back to last week's lesson, last week's teaching. And he operates with a scheme. And the scheme is to tell you lies. That you'll never get past this. To tell you lies, you'll always be broken. To tell you lies like you'll never amount to anything. To tell you lies like you'll always be addicted. To tell you lies like you're no good. To tell you lies like you're always bound to be a drunk because your daddy was a drunk and your granddaddy was a drunk. To tell you lies like you can't break the nicotine addiction in your life. To tell you lies like there's no hope for you. To tell you lies like this world would be better without you. To tell you lies like you don't matter. Nobody cares about you. To tell you lies about your sexuality and your identity. To tell you lies about your marriage to tell you lies about your past. And if their main scheme is to influence your life through lies and thoughts, inceptions of your imagination, then the right remedy is a truth that is higher, a truth that is eternal a truth that removes fear, a truth that is anchored in something good 
Friends, if you want to stand your ground and resist the devil and all of the evil around you, whether you understand it or not, it doesn't matter. Can I tell you how to be strong in the Lord? Are you ready? Are you ready? Read your Bible. Truth. Can I give you another? Really practical. Really, really practical. Sign up for summer school. We're going to teach you how to read your Bible in one class. I'm going to go deeper into this subject in my class. We're going to talk about finances from God's perspective so that you can win in money and not be stuck in cycles of poverty. We want to help you learn how to walk in the spirit in a way that allows you to walk in the strength and do battle and, and do uh, bring the kingdom of God from heaven onto earth. We want to teach you what the word says. But begin reading your Bible this week. Read Ephesians, the entire book, two times this week. Six chapters, three a day. You could do it twice, easy, this week. Read Deuteronomy 32. Read Psalm 82. Read Psalm 86. Go back through the scriptures from today's lesson and read the word because we cannot live a radiant spirituality through our own opinions and rational thinking. We need the truth of God's word. This is one way we fight our battles and stay firm, strong in the Lord and cultivate a radiant spirituality. Amen? Hey, let's stand together. And let's just take a moment before the Lord and just say Lord what are you saying to me today Holy Spirit are there dark forces that I've been partnering with and accessing that I need to repent from Lord have I felt maybe you felt fear and overwhelmed and you need to remember that greater is he who lives in you than whatever emotional, physical, spiritual thing that you've been facing this week. God, we were made in your image and we want to make room in our lives, in our hearts, in our bodies, in our souls, and in our spirits for your spirit. So Lord, where we feel weak or worn down, we just simply say, come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us and renew us today. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us today. Jesus, you came to set us free from all the entanglements and entrapments of our world. Lord, I release freedom in this house. Lord Jesus, set the prisoner free, those that have been bound by the oppression and the forces of darkness in the world, those bound by addiction, Jesus, bring freedom right now in your name. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us, God, with your life today. In Jesus' name.
Amen. I really hope today's message was life-giving. As a church, we wanna help you encounter God and take another next step in your allegiance to Jesus. I wanna ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social, text a coworker the link. Just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub, faithchurchks.org. You'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith, including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him. Hey, we love you. And until we get to hang out again, remember, don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus.